Why is every guy I'm in a relationship with exactly the same? The way they treat me, the way they cheat, the way they lie. If you can cheat on someone you eat with, you sleep next to, you would cheat on me in business any time of day. Men are becoming more feminine. And the reason women are becoming more masculine is because they don't feel safe. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not true. Based on what? Multi-award winning entrepreneur across multiple industries, Sarah Al-Madani. Starting at the age of 15 with a burning desire to do life her way, she has won several awards and I could go on and on and on. They think a man is, okay, as long as he's big, he's got his buddy going on. I can get that done in Thailand for like 5,000 dirhams to look exactly (laughs) like you. What's been the biggest mistake you've made along the way that's taught you the biggest lesson? In business, my biggest mistake was I reached a point where I was literally going to take my own life at a certain point. I was like, I had enough. They make you question your own reality. They make you think you're delusional. Do you have a big dream? Do you have something you want to create or do or become? Or Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips, and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Alrighty guys, today's guest is an international speaker, multi-award winning entrepreneur across multiple industries such as fashion, tech, marketing, and so many more. She's partnered with Jason Derulo in her newest company, Halo High. Starting at the age of 15 with a burning desire to do life her way, and since going on to start 18 different businesses, going on to get her PhD, she has since spent her time traveling around the world, delivering over 200 keynote talks in multiple countries, including speaking on the TEDx stage four different times. She has sat as a former board member of the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce, as well as the UAE SME, Council in the Ministry of Economy here in Dubai, where she helped consult with the local authorities. She has won several awards from the Emirati Entrepreneur of the Year Award, the Inspiring Women's Leaders Award, the Influential Leader Award, and I could go on and on and on. But please help me welcome the woman who went from having her own pharmaceutical company at the age of 14 and a half to now a serial entrepreneur. Uh, who is on an absolute mission to inspire the masses all over the world to help them achieve their ultimate business and life goals and recently has been featured in the Dubai TV show, The Real Housewives of Dubai. My friend, Dr. Sarah, Sarah Al-Madani. Sarah, Sarah, it works. Sarah, sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was maybe the longest one I've done. That was long. I, I, <clears throat> I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, it is long. It's, a, it's achievements. <laughs> but when I, when I was putting everything together of yours, I was like, because I've, I've seen your stuff, I've followed your stuff, and I, and I love so many things about you. I love, I love your authenticity is probably the best one. And I really, whenever I reach out to people and I bring people in the show and I really get to see them behind the scenes, behind the social media, And the first thing I knew from you, I was like, I just love this woman so much just based off our conversations online. I was like, you're so sweet. And you're just so like, yes, let's do this. Let's rock this. Let's get it. And 
I just want to say that I, I appreciate you, you and, so and I think much. you're one of the most authentic people I've come across. So I'm super excited to uh, unpack your brain a little bit for these guys. Let's do that. Let's yeah. Do that. So I want to know entrepreneurship. You are a through and through entrepreneur. Like you've 18 different businesses. You've crushed it. Your first one's 14 and a half, which is nuts. In your opinion, are entrepreneurs born or can it be learned? Okay. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are taught to be entrepreneurs. But then the, there are these entrepreneurs that have that extra spice in them that they're born with. And I mean, a lot of people think that entrepreneurship is just somebody who knows a bit of finance and has great ideas. But I know people who don't have great ideas and they are great entrepreneurs. I know people who don't know anything about finance and they're great entrepreneurs. It's, it's people who have that extra, like extra ingredient in them. They're born with it. I'll give you an example. My dad told me when I was like, three and four, I used to massage them for money. Um, I mean, how would a three and four year old even know anything about financial like mm. independence or like anything like that? It was just driven and I don't know why or how. And I always had that, you know, that extra thing in me that told me, you're never gonna get a job, you will hustle, you will make it happen. So I think people with great ideas are great, but great ideas, if not managed properly, die. And eventually someone better than you would come and take your idea and do it better than you. So great ideas don't intrigue me, even as an investor. I look for people who have that resilience, that personality, that kick, that 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 feeling that they would never give up. And I feel entrepreneurs are like birds. When the wind blows their nest, they go and build it somewhere else. They don't give mm. up easily. What does it take to really not just be an entrepreneur, but to truly succeed? Like you've done it time and time and time and time again. There's surely going to be some philosophies there or some attitude. What does it really take? I'm not ashamed of failure. So when I go at something, if I end up failing, I'm not ashamed or I don't, and I don't feel guilty. So I don't associate with failure and shame. So that's, I feel like that's the strongest thing that I have because a lot of people, they are great and they have great ideas, but the fear of failure and shame and people looking down on them is what stops them from taking that mm. step. And I don't have that. So I think that's a very like important ingredient that I have. And then the second thing is just a person that never gives up. A person that believes in something. And if it doesn't work this way, if this business fails, it's not the end of the world. I'll try this. I'll try that. I'll try this. It's a person that just keeps going and they don't give up easily. They don't take no for an answer. If somebody has the attitude to never give up, because it's, you know, like if you want something bad enough, you've got to go through that. You've got to go through the hurdles. You've got to do this. How have you been able to identify that you're on the right track or not? Because if you've got the attitude to never give up, how do you know if you're pursuing something that's just not meant for you? I think that's a very good question. With experience and trial, you will start to learn that I cannot treat a business um, as a marriage. You know, you treat a business as a one night stand. Because if the business works, it works. If it doesn't, if you just stay in that relationship for the sake of you love the business, it's your baby and you lose money, it's like you're emotionally attached to it. I have no emotional attachments to my businesses. I do them for a reason. I make money out of them. You know, I grow them. I serve people with them. I change the world with them. But other than that, I have no attachment. And I think this comes with experience and this comes with a lot of failing because I feel like failure is the sauce that adds flavor to success, you know? So if I haven't failed, I would be the type of person that would still go on and on and on trying, trying, not understanding that I've hit a, I hit a dead end and I have to stop. 
but it's not something I can teach you or something I can show you. It's something you have to learn on your own. So you're saying, so if people are more emotionally involved with what it is they're doing, they could be misled? Yes, 100%. You're not emotionally involved. Yes, you're, you, you're a leader, you have a vision, you're fighting for a vision, but there's no emotional involvement. If the business dies, you try to revive it a couple of times, but then you realize it's not revivable, it's not work it, working, it's not worth it. But don't have an attachment to it to the extent that I will go to the end of life, to the end of time, I would spend every penny just to make something work because sometimes it's not for you. Mm. And that's why I always say like, don't sleep with your business. It's a one night stand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what about the whole story of people saying, cause this is also one thing I'll, I'll sort of, cause a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want to start a business. I want to create freedom. Where should I start? And I often get people to start with what are the things you're really good at? What are the things that intrigue you and the things you're just passionate about? If we at least lead down that direction, you could probably start to find a way to make money from doing one of those things. Are you saying that to really crush it in business, we should pursue business for the sake of business or is it still okay to pursue our passion to make that a business? I, I don't pursue business for the sake of business. I never did. I never will. Um, I did, however, at the beginning of my journey, thought that business is something that makes money. So as long as I was making money, I thought that it's business. But with mm -hmm. experience, with age, you realize that making money out of something you don't love and you have no passion and it's not aligned with your purpose, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, great, the money is coming. And I'm not being arrogant by saying, you know, like money is flowing and I don't care about money. That's not the point. The point is every day when I wake up in the morning, if I'm dreading going to work, if I hate it, if the night before I go like, oh my God, I got to sleep early, I have work. If you have that kind of feeling, then you're not pursuing your passion. But if it's, you're passionate about it, every day I wake up, I want to do more. I want to go there. I'm excited to show up. And it's a complete different ball game because you feel like you are wasting your time doing the right thing instead mm -hmm. of like wasting your time just to chase paper or make money. So I've, in the beginning, I've had that. So I shut all these companies down. And then I started, um, uh, I started businesses that are aligned with my purpose, that give back to the community, that make the world a better place, that change humanity. And because that's my purpose, my purpose is to serve. So my businesses are serving right now. And I'm so happy because I feel like I'm in alignment. And when you are in alignment, you attract a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. What, uh, what principles do you live by, if any? In what sense? And do you, what I've noticed with lots of successful people, they'll often have rules they live by, or at least for a business. I'm yeah. just curious if, if you've got any principles or rules or laws, philosophies that you follow for your life in business. I mean, for me, loyalty in business and transparency are very important. So I only work with people and I deal with people who are, who have a strong sense of loyalty and honesty and dignity in what they do. Mm -hmm. And um, another important thing is we have to have uh, matching morals and ethics, you know, because if there's a conflict in that, then there'll be a conflict in the business. It's just like a relationship, you know, same thing exactly. So I live by honesty, integrity, uh, moral morality, and then just having fun. I love having fun. And if nobody's having fun in the office, if my business partners are not having fun, if my employees are not having fun, it's not a good place. Like it's for yeah. me, that's not a complete space for me to be in. So I, I live by these rules, but I am very um, strict about them for the, for, I'll give you an example. 
I once was in the States in a meeting with an investor. And of course, I have the kind of energy that allows people to open up so easily and talk about everything because I don't judge anybody. I, feel, I make mm -hmm. you feel comfortable speaking. So the guy went on speaking and he went like a little bit deep into his life and he was speaking about how he cheats on his wife and she never catches him and all that and everything like that. Because one of my principles when I do business is uh, morality and, and like honesty and like ethics, um, I'd never do business with him. Even if he had all the money in the world, I don't care. Because if you can cheat on someone you eat with, you sleep next to, you would cheat on me in business any time of day. So I feel like I do not distinguish the difference between both. If you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. So this is how strong my, my morals are. And I remember once when I said, I don't want to work with him, my business partner got really upset because my business partner just wants to inject money into the business. But for me, I was like, that's dumb money. I don't want dumb money. I want strategic money. I want safe money. I want clean money. I want a person, I, I want the money to come from a clean source. And that guy to me is not okay. And eventually my business partner understood what I was saying, but this is how, like, it's it's a red line. You can see because how people yeah. do one thing is how they do most things. Yeah, people would say, no, it's impossible. I know a lot of men who cheat, but they're very honest and decent in business. But, but the, I mean, if he doesn't feel guilty doing what he does to, mm. a, a, like, a partner, he wouldn't feel guilty doing it to you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. Maybe the idea crosses his mind every now and then. One day he'll act upon it. I'm sorry, like that's that's how I see it. Yeah. Where did that come from, that strong belief by the sounds of if they're a cheater, then this is also it is. Is there something behind that? I mean, if, if you describe a cheater, okay, it's a person that has no loyalty, low morality, no ethics, and a person that has no guilt. And to be honest, when you think of cheating, I think of it as a person who's robbing a bank because the person who cheats on you robs you from your feelings, from your sanity, from your from your happiness, from your peace. And if a person doesn't mind robbing another human from that, well, you can just easily walk away if you're not happy. But if you take the decision to cheat and cheating takes a lot of planning, you know, mm. you have to hide, you have to be sneaky, you have to plan, you have to lie. So if somebody goes through all of that, just to get some pleasure and to put the person they love and they value and the person that loves them values them in that position, they would do it to anybody. So that comes, that I think that comes from me being cheated on so many times. Mm. Back then when I was younger, I had no boundaries. Um, I had to do a lot of healing to understand why I don't have no boundaries. But when I decided to set my boundaries, I set them in every single thing in my life, whether it's business, relationship, friendship, it's like, it's a red line. You cross it once, you're not able to enter again. You're not allowed into the energy field again. You and I are both similar with that. Like my boundaries are, are strong. If, if I see someone cross, it's like, that's a bummer for you. But yeah, as it, you know, back on the, the cheating thing. Do you think people can cheat not from a place of wanting to hurt the other person? What is, okay, you're not happy? Leave. You don't feel understood, leave. You don't feel like you're valued, leave. The, you, the thing is, I've seen a lot of cases where the cheater would tell their partner that I cheated because of you. I cheated because of how you act, how you treat me, how you make me feel. It's like, so hold on, you are literally blaming your partner for your low morality, no ethics and no loyalty. And you're throwing all of that as a coat hanger on your partner. 
How does that make sense? Go eat an ice cream, go cry at home, go watch Netflix, go to a therapist, I don't, hug a teddy bear in bed. There's so many options of things you can do. Why'd you cheat? That's a choice. Everything is a choice. So I'm sorry, but I'm ruthless when it comes to this. I'm mm. red line. And do you think it's stronger because you said, so you said you, you haven't cheated multiple times? Yes. I think every single relationship, I, really? every How single relationship had? I had, like four. Four. And you were married? Twice. Twice. And I was cheated on. Always. Both, always. But the thing is, okay, so he, here's the crazy part. They were all narcissists. Okay. okay. And when it's not a red flag when a person is bad because they show you they're bad. It's a red flag when you stay and you settle for something like that. So instead of me like dwelling in sadness and saying, oh, they're bad, they did it. Like, I couldn't change, I couldn't do that. I couldn't change them, I couldn't help them. I don't go that route. From now on, I self-reflect. I go like, okay, they're bad, fine. But what? Did, like, where did I go wrong? What did I do? Why am mm. I settling? Why am I accepting? What, what, what am I doing? Why am I choosing same kind of people? Why do I have a pattern? And that's when you're, you, basically focus on yourself and self-growth happens when you give the space for yourself to self-reflect more than to blame all the time. So it was my fault. And I had to go through a lot of healing because I choose the wrong partners. What, what patterns did you find in terms of, like you, you just said, you, so time, time, time again, looking back on it now for the woman or the guy who's watching this right now going, shit, you know, I, I attract similar people and I'm 30 years old, I'm 35, I'm 45, and I still can't figure this shit out. Yeah. What's your advice to them on how they can sort of self-reflect effectively so they can heal themselves and attract a different person? So you need to focus on the patterns. Like for example, in my case, I used to always attract narcissists. And then I thought to myself, why is every guy I'm in a relationship with exactly the same? The way they treat me, the way they cheat, the way they lie, the way they manipulate, the way they gaslight. And then I realized that I'm attracting men with the same pattern. And then I wanted to go deeper in that. And I wanted to understand why. I, I know I deserve more. Why do I settle? And then when I did therapy, my therapist told me, you don't value yourself. You have no self-worth. Mm. And that's why you settle for anything. And crazy enough, when I you know, meet the narcissist and we sit and connect, you know, and I feel like, oh my God, I've met him somewhere before. We're soulmates, we're this, we're this, we're that. It's not because we're soulmates. It's because that's the same shitty energy that familiar. I'm familiar with from before. So it feels like home to me. And as a child, I was exposed to narcissism a little bit. So it family? felt like home. Like, yeah, with some family members. So it felt like home. So every time I met a narcissistic person, I'd go like, oh my God, this time we're soulmates. I feel it. I know it. That, that's not, you're not soulmates. It's just the familiar shitty energy that you had before. And it feels like home because that's the only thing you know. That's the only thing you think love is. And then you start giving and giving and giving until you have nothing to give because you just want to be loved. So for me, all I wanted was to be loved and accepted because growing up, I was different. I was the, like the black sheep in the family. I was outcasted. I was different. I thought differently. I looked differently. I acted different. So I just wanted to be accepted because nobody accepted me back then. And therefore I settled for anything and I gave up money. I gave up everything for that person just to be loved and accepted. And when you put your ego and pride aside and you focus on self-reflecting, then you realize, huh, they are bad. They showed me they're bad from the beginning. Why did I ignore that? Why did I choose that? And then that's where you switch from a blame game to self-reflecting. Reflecting. 
and growth happens. Solves everything. 100%. When we take, you know, one of the main things I teach at one of our programs is, is like nothing will actually change our life until we can take 100% ownership and responsibility. Because yes. until like, you know, I, I view life as all these things are happening to us, for us, however you want to look at it. But things happen, experiences happen, events happen. And the only reason they happen is to teach us something. That, that's how I've reframed even yeah. crappy things happening to me. I'm like, I, I get excited when something shit happens because I was like, like in, in the same light, fuck, this sucks. And on the other hand, oh, this is so exciting because yeah. I know it's for a reason. And what can I learn from this? Because everything's happening for me to learn. But the moment we are playing the blame game or being victims or whatever, we're, we're, we're pushing out the learnings yeah. that, that are coming to us. And I've seen, I've seen a similar behavior um, <laughs> bring out quite a few times, right? And it's, this is actually the sad thing. This is why I think everybody really does need to do work on themselves and, and work with a, a, a qualified, yeah. someone who can sort of unpack things for them because I've seen play out and because one of the most primary things people need is love and connection. It's one of our, one of our highest needs. Yeah. The bad thing is it doesn't matter how we get it. Mm-hmm. So as you were saying, that how you perceived you were getting it was being in relationships that didn't serve you. But as your core, you're like, oh, I'm still getting this connection. I've seen it play out with people. They'll do negative patterns because it serves them. They get a payoff yeah. or they'll eat bad food or they'll create problems in their own lives because when they have problems, they get attention. Yeah. And they 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 married that attention up with love yeah. and affection they got from their mom when they were young, which is horrible because if they didn't have the problem, they wouldn't feel like they're loved. Yes. Like I have people extremely close to me, diabetes or all these types of things that know they could solve them or work on them, but will choose unconsciously, obviously, to hold on to them because the underlying thing for that yeah. is they get their needs met. Well, they, they say if you are not served love on a silver spoon when you were young, you would learn how to lick it off a knife. And I, and I feel like, I feel like that's, that has been my life. It's like, because I didn't have it growing up with my friends when I was young, it was always bad experiences. And I feel like I learned to lick it off a knife and I had to give up myself, give up everything just to be loved and accepted. But that's not okay. If you don't self-reflect and try to understand your, your own patterns. And I, I see like, okay, here it goes. So they never told you that healing is a hard journey. It's a long journey. Healing um, opens your eyes to the extent that you walk in a room, you can easily look at people and realize their patterns where their growth hasn't happened and why they don't want to grow. And I walk in a room sometimes and I sit and I go like daddy issues, okay? Mm-hmm. Abandonment issues, I get it. It's like you, you read people's energy, mm-hmm. but what are they doing about it? You know, nothing. They're comfortable, it's easy, they think it's normal. Nobody's like sitting down and self-reflecting nowadays, which is sad. Yeah, yeah. that's funny you say that. Um, I was actually at dinner last night with one of my friends and she was showing me uh, this girl who she was dating. And she's like, have a look at this girl. And I say, I'm like, that woman, and I didn't know anything about her. And, and it's like on one light, I, it's judgment. Yeah, Of course it is. But it's also, it's the work I do as well. I, I read people and I see things. I'm like, that girl, she has unresolved daddy issues. And she's like, oh yeah. And she started telling me all the things. She's like, oh yeah, that woman. I'm like, I bet yeah. I'm like, and she probably teaches some sort of sex. I'm like, she's a sex coach. Got it. Whoa. Retta. Yeah. Boom. Because energy doesn't lie. And, yeah. and we do exercises where we'll do like projection exercises with people. And they think they can hide. People legitimately think they can wear a mask. Yeah. 
And that's the thing I saw with you straight away. I'm like, you're so authentic, you know, and because people think they can wear a mask and they, they, they think they're fooling people, but they're really not. Yeah. Um, on the, the thing you said, so if you're not, say that saying again with the, with the silver spoon and the knife. If you're not fed love on a silver spoon when you're young, you would learn how to lick it off a knife. So knowing that and your upbringing, how are you parenting? Completely different. Completely different. Like with my son, I'm very affectionate. And I always tell my son, whether you do what's right or wrong, I love you regardless. You're enough. And yes, you have your own mindset. I have my own mindset. Just because I gave birth to you doesn't mean I own you because I was a pathway for you into this life. But I don't own you. My my ambition in life, my idea of success, that's mine. I will never inf- re- like enforce them on you or make you live a life just because I want you to live it. So he lives in complete freedom. But at the same time, he's guided towards that. Like you give them the freedom, but you guide them how to use mm-hmm. it. And reassurance of love. Like he always says, mom, um, after doing something wrong, you're like, mom, do you still love me? I go like, what the hell? I will never stop loving you. Even if you're the worst human on earth, I will never stop loving you. But that doesn't mean you should be the worst human on earth because yeah. life is this, 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 this. So it's like you guide them, but you assure them that, you know, they don't need to do anything to get love from you because love is unconditional. Mm. And the minute it becomes conditional, then it's not love anymore because it's, it's a trade. I give and take, give and take, or I, I'll take and I'll give you, but that's not what love is. I, um, I'm not a parent. I have no idea when that will happen. And what I've seen through, cause I've had so many people come into my rooms and someone who is successful, obviously sometimes comes from, well, I never had it growing up. Or I had all this growing up. So I wanted to do the opposite, similar to me. We grew up in very mediocre yeah. sort of, you know, parents did the best they could with what they knew. I wanted to have more. And I've, some, I've seen people come up, well, I didn't have parents, so I've done all these things. And I've also met people who have had the most perfect family growing up and have grown up to go to jail and, yeah. and do all kinds of fucked up things. And then I'm like, so my self-reflection, so I'd love to know what you think about this, knowing the way you think and the way you parent. <clears throat> When I parent, I'm like, there's probably no way I can mold the perfect child because they're going to make all these meanings anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I give them things or uh, I was talking to my friend last night and she said they they grew up with so much money and she's like, because money was so easy for them. She goes, I never valued money. I'm like, so, so it hindered her in her first years of business. Yeah. I'm like, it's so funny. You know, parents would think I'm giving you money, I'm going to help. And my own belief I have now, I'm like, my game plan for, for parenting is going to be the only thing is to be is how can I build them up to have a really healthy level of self-esteem? Got it. Because with that, they can really make the best judgments without yeah. understanding, you know, so I'm, I'm like, I'm probably definitely going to say things yeah. that they're going to be like, oh, dad did this one time. He doesn't. It's like whatever you're going to decide, you're going to decide and you're going to work yeah. on. I probably can't control that. But can I control on making sure they have high self-worth. Yes. The, the thing is, okay, let me put it this way. There is no one way that fits all. It's not like, hey, take this book, read it. Your kid will turn out to be an angel. You know, mm-hmm. There's no such thing because each one has a different personality, different DNA, different chromosomes, different mindset, different everything. But I can tell you one thing. Um, kids don't learn from talking. They learn from your actions. They watch everything you do. And whether you are focused on what you're doing or not, 
whether you forgot that the kid's around or not, when you're angry at the moment you lose yourself, that's where kids are watching and learning. Every single thing from the age of one, they watch. Mm. And I know that a lot of people say, okay, but he's one year old, he doesn't get it. No, they get it. Their yeah. subconscious mind yeah. has no age. It's a storage unit. Mm -hmm. Everything they hear, everything they see gets stored in there. And then as they grow up, that storage gets released and then they process it as they grow up. But everything gets stored there. So you got to be very careful when it comes to how you act and what you say in front of the kids. And um, I've, I've heard a story like of a successful man, very successful man, and his brother was an alcoholic. And when they asked them, how are you both like that? They both said our father was an alcoholic. Yeah. So same household, same way of raising, same everything. But one saw his father and he's like, I'm never <clears throat> going to be like that. And one saw his father and he became like his father. So in the end, I feel like the most important thing is self-value, like you said, and self-worth. And you can teach them that every single day by showing them that they're worth it. Like, for example, my son, I always tell him, you are not born to fit in. You are not born to copy people. Be yourself, be this, do that. doesn't matter what people say. And I repeat that all the time. And he sees me do that as well. Like with in my culture, with my tattoos, I'm not accepted that much. But it's okay with me, I don't care. It's not a thing. It's no, it's it's not, it's a like frowned upon thing, you know? And even when I go like with family, when I go to my family homes, my mom would tell me I wear long sleeves, you know? I was like, mom, just love me for who I am, you know? Mm. And if they can't love me for who I am, I don't wanna be there. So he sees that and he hears that. And then I slowly start to see him applying it. For example, he was going to school a couple of days ago and he was wearing pajama shirts. And I was like, dude, you can't go to school wearing pajama shirts. He's like, I am myself, I'm happy. It doesn't matter what people say. I'm like, great. So I taught him how to, how to think in this way, but he's too young to understand how to apply it, which is fine. He'll learn as he grows. But for now I allow him just to show him that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people say. You love yourself. You know you're right. That's all that matters. So yes, can you install self-worth in a child? Yes, you can download that and install it in them. Mm. Other than that, you have no control over their personality because it's passed through DNA, it's experience, it's whatever they, they live, they seen. It's it's just be be good and they'll turn out good. That's it. I love it. So with with that, so one I, and I've and I've heard that story, and I, I often reflect on my upbringing with my my siblings. I'm. Do you have siblings? Yes. Yeah. How many? Two more. Two more. I'm older? the oldest. You're yeah. the oldest. Yeah. Um. So like my I'm, I'm the black sheep as well. The rest of my family just sort of do do the normal stuff, and and I often think I was like we all grew up in the same household, same stuff, and and the reason how the brain actually works is we'll we'll process two million bits of information a second. Yeah. Right. But our brain will delete, generalize, and distort nearly all of it. So 134 bits of that information out of every one second we can actually internalize. Yeah. So now think about this. Me and you are both sitting in this room, and let's say your son says something. The exact thing happened. We're in the exact same space, but from a different perspective. Those 2 million bits of information are happening. What are the chances that you and I both take the exact 134 bits? Next to impossible. Mm -hmm. So then, then we, I mean, people listen to a song and they, they interpret yeah. it in different ways. Yeah. You know, it's only normal. Yeah. And, 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 but understanding this has really helped me a lot as well because the, like, and we just run the biggest event I've ever ran back in Australia. And we thought it was pretty cool. Like, I looked, I was like, this is sick. Hoorah. And we literally had people leave there. Uh, the DMs, I stayed up for hours after the event and I was cooked. I was about two o'clock in the morning with my partner having a wine. 
responding to DMs of just people being like, it's the best event, thanks so much, I loved it, respond every DM. And I had one person comment on one of the reels and complain, oh, I was so disappointed with this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, so then I'm, as the business owner, I'm starting to think, oh, but can we do it better, can we do this? And I was like, at some degree, I take it as feedback. And then also it's like, that's just your 134 bits of information. Exactly. Because I got all this evidence that everyone else loved it. And it's just crazy. And what also, the thing, the things that are happening underneath the surface for us will also determine the things that we actually choose to see in the world. Yes. So if we have a lot of hate, if we have a lot of jealousy, if we have a lot of things that we, if we don't love ourselves, we'll see a lot of that out there in the world as well. Yeah. So it's often like the, the lenses that we choose to wear is how we're going to see the world. Yeah. It's a that, very complex so thing. I mean, it is true. And also like a way uh, let me let me say it in this way. So for me, I stop taking anything people do or say personally. Yeah. Because I know that's their internal battle. That's their unsolved trauma. That's their experience. That's not me. So I understand that I'm not going to be loved by everybody. I don't have to be loved by everybody. And that was a big challenge for me because when I was younger, I just wanted to do everything to be loved and accepted, right? Mm. By everyone and everyone. Now I don't care. Like, it's like, that's how you process things. That's how you think of things. That's not, that's not on me. I'm just going to be me, authentically me. And if I'm your cup of tea, great, because I don't intend to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did I just rap right <laughs> 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 I love it. That's, oh, that's that was your, rhyming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been hanging out with Jason for too long. I know. It's this right? new avenue. I know. We're gonna see a hit track. You and Jason Derulo. <laughs> no, maybe I'll be dancing in the background, <laughs> but not singing. Yeah, not singing. How, how did that come about? How did how did that come about? Your your new business partner is Jason. Yeah. So I I work with a lot of celebrities. Like for, for the past, um, I'd say, fifteen years. I've had an agency in LA where I worked with a lot of celebrities, managed a lot of celebrities. So I, I have that access to them. And, you know, the beauty of, of working with a lot of celebrities, you realize after spending five minutes with them, those are just normal people. Yeah, They eat like us, they breathe like us, they think like us, you know, they laugh like us. So for me, like, I don't have that impact anymore because I know they're just humans mm -hmm. and we're like them. They only had the guts to take it further than we did. You know what I mean? So with Jason, um, a friend of ours uh, knew Jason personally, and we were looking for a business partner, somebody who's interested in the business and to expand it with a celebrity. So we met a lot of celebrities, but after sitting with them, you realize like they have no integrity for business mm. in, in the terms that they are in La La Land. They're not focused. There will be a liability instead of an asset for the business. They're useless. Their name is is all that matters, but they will never be doing anything because they're like in their own world. Yeah. So, and then when that guy that we know in LA told us he knows Jason very well, we're like, okay, we want to sit down and talk to Jason. We flew in all of us to LA, me, my other investor, my business partners. We went to Jason's house. He took us in, he gave us a tour. He was such like, he is so humble and he has such a good spirit. And then after that, we sat down to discuss the business and he was so into it. And I've never seen a celebrity that wants to do the work. Like he wants to work. He's excited. He has ideas. He's like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. And then I looked at my, my investors and my business partners. I was like, damn, man, where would you find someone like this? Yeah. And that is rare when it comes to celebrities that they have that business mindset and that, you know, the fame and the life that they have and the creativity that they have merged together. Because when they become famous, they lose themselves. They think they're, you know, they're yeah. gods and they're they're way bigger than anybody else. But then you have that 
percentage of them that are sane, that understand how to do business and they really want to give it their all and they know their worth and how much work they can put into this. So that's what happened. And then he was excited. We we merged and yeah, it was just a lovely journey. And is that, I know you've gone through some, some uh, things with that business. Is that yes. now live and going? Yeah. So we had to buy out our old investor. Yeah which took us a year and a half almost because court documents, IP. Um, is that just like a who owns what and finding a fair deal? Is that, is that how it works? Like, is that why it took so long? No, no. When it's when there is a name and a trademark and an IP, right. uh, it takes a longer process than just like leaving a business, you know? Usually you just buy the investor and that's it. Mm. But there was a lot of copyright things. There was a lot of trademarking. There was a lot of things in there that we had to settle. So that took a year and a half in court. And we decided to pause the company because if you grow the company in the process of like leaving an investor, what happens is yeah. that the value goes higher and higher and higher. Yeah, then it becomes more expensive yeah. to to get rid of, not not get rid, like to, to break the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, he was, our investor was amazing, but it was just like the end of the road for us. And we both, we both saw things differently and which is completely fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took a year and a half. So for a year and a half, we were non-operating. I stopped everything. And my business partners were like, come on, let, let's let's keep the business. I was like, nothing is going to run because the, every day the value increases. And I don't want this to cost us so much. So after a year and a half, we met Jason. That merge itself with Jason took like eight months. Lawyers and all that. And like registering the company in a different jurisdiction. How do you say jurisdiction? It? jurisdiction? Jurisdiction. I'm just like sick. It's hard for me to say it. <laughs> so yeah, so it, that, that just took us time. So the company was paused for a long time. But if an investor looks at the track records while the company was active, it did crazy. Like our competitor is Cameo. Okay. okay. We, we've done what Cameo did. And Cameo is worth, I think, a billion dollars right now. Wow. We've done what Cameo did in four years and three months. The money, the amount of celebrities onboarded on the platform. So we were doing good. Like the company was doing really good. And, but we had to stop because it was, you know, it was a sensitive situation where, you know, yeah. you can't grow right now because right now growth is dangerous for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so are you live now? Is it? Is it happening? It's going live in because we are raising at the moment. Yeah. So we are finalizing with a couple of investors. And once that's completely done, because we have auditors going through things right now, but once that's completely done, so probably I'd say in like two months to cool. three months, it'll be live. And tell these guys a little bit about what it is and how they can actually, yeah, like so, why they should check it out. Okay, so Halahai is a platform where you can go and get a shout out personalized for you from your favorite celebrity. So cool. Yeah, but it doesn't end there. You can also buy their merch from there. You can buy um, any product they sell from there directly for them. But it also allows businesses to directly contact the celebrity to do deals. So if you're a business and you're tired of going through the 20 middlemen between you and let's say uh, Mariah Carey, yep. okay, we eliminated the 10 people and you're in direct contact with Mariah because she has a dashboard on her phone where she sees, and she, it's like Tinder, you swipe right or left to deals, Yeah, you know, so it serves the businesses, it serves the community because you get in touch with your celebrity and um, even the celebrities get to sell their used items there. So they have a closet there. So from A to Z, anything celebrity related, it's there. But the user experience is fun. It's Arabized. So it's always like Habibi and talking to you like in this way. And yeah, it's, I love Halahai.
I'm, I really want to check it out. You should. Um, very, really cool. What's up, Dream Nation? Have you ever wondered how far ahead your life would have already been if you had got access to this type of content at a younger age? Look, this is why I need your help. I'm trying to build the number one personal development platform out there to teach you guys the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live your dream life and to bring the type of education that we all wish we had in school. This show only grows by word of mouth and new subscribers, so it would mean the world to me if you could smash that subscribe button right now, leave us a five-star written review or drop a comment below and share this episode with a friend. I would be forever grateful. All right, now let's get back into this episode. What I'm really curious to know, so you've got nine businesses now. Yes. And you're, you're the CEO of Hella High. You've got your son. Yeah. You're no doubt probably also thinking of the next five, 10 years of other things you want to create and invest in and do. And you live a great life. How do you manage your time? Okay. I, I love that question. So work-life balance is a myth. It doesn't exist. Whoever tells you, read this book, read, watch this documentary, and then you'll know how to balance your life. It's not true. Balance is created based on each individual separately. So for example, because I'm a single mom full-time, um, my time with my son would be 30% of, of the day and the rest would be at work because I'm the, I'm the provider. I'm the one that pays the bills, right? But if I was married and I was a stay-at-home mom, with a husband that does everything for me. So then my percentage changes, which is 90% with my kids and then 10% doing whatever I want, right? So it differs from every case. And I don't want people to think it's a unified rule for you to be a great parent. You gotta do these certain things. Um, I work three days a week only, three to four days a week, um, sometimes six hours to seven hours per day. The rest of that, I'm traveling, having fun, living, loving, enjoying. Like I cannot fill, I cannot pour from an empty cup. So I have to fill my cup. I have to enjoy life. I'm not a robot. And if I die, none of this goes with me to the grave. Mm -hmm. So I got to create some memories. So I don't lose myself in the process of like trying to grow as a business. So that's one thing. So working little time and I'm, I'm like very strict with my work time. I do not for example, allow people to cross the time limit and have meetings outside of the time limit of my work. So I'm very disciplined, but then I have fun the rest of the time. I can travel, I can do whatever I want. And at the same time, um, my son is my priority, but because I'm the one providing everything for my son, I taught my son how my life is and how he should be understanding about my life. So my son gets it completely. And if I cannot manage to do everything on my own, I ask my family for help sometimes which is completely okay. And yeah, I, I just, I do not live my life based on any balance. Like I get shamed a lot by moms. Like for example, this mom came up to me and she's like, so do you take your son to soccer? Are you like a soccer mom? I was like, no. She's like, do you go with him for swimming classes? I was like, no. And then she's like, oh, but you know, being a great mom requires these things. I was like, no, it doesn't require these things because you probably spend 90% of your time with your kid, but you're on your phone 24 seven. Mm. But when I spend time with my kid, I'm it's me and my kid only. So it's quality over quantity. So I cannot tell you you're a bad mom. You cannot tell me I'm a bad mom. I cannot tell you you're good. You cannot tell me I'm good. It's none of your business, you know? 
And my advice for everybody is don't allow people into your, your personal life, your business, because that's yours to choose. You set the rules, you create the boundaries, you create the balance that you want that fits you. But I also, after being in business for so many years, I learned to not work hard. I work smart. So, so yeah. So, yeah. How, how do you do that? Just tell us the difference of working hard. Cause people would think like yeah. I did it. I, I have a bit of my own idea and I'm, I think I'm getting better at it lately. Yeah. Definitely worked hard for a long time. And the smarter I work, the more money I make now. Of course. So in your three or four days a week, how, how are you working smarter versus harder? So the nine companies that I have, I'm not a CEO in any of them. I've, I've prepped them, launched them, uh, directed them, and then walked away. And then hired people that are smarter than me, better than me to do the job. I'm only the CEO of one company right now, which is uh, Halahai. But I'm also going to be a CEO of another company we're launching soon called The Others. So I'm just going to be CEO in two companies and the rest of it is all managed by great people. Micromanaging kills entrepreneurs. You, ha- you want to go in, you want to make sure everyone's working, you want to make sure the business is going great, you want to make sure this kills you. It, it like literally drains you from every drop of energy you have, number one. Number two, you don't allow people to do what they have to do as employees because they're depending on you to always walk in and tell them what to do. You're not allowing people to unleash their full potential. You're always um, living by overthinking. You're draining your mindset. You're draining your energy. So I don't believe in micromanaging. I believe in leadership. I am the captain of the ship. I give directions and the rest of the people do what they have to do. So I I I don't work hard. I just work smart. And I learned how to delegate. And not to look into everything I do and not overthink. Just let it go. Just let, delegate and let it go. And if there is a missing link or an employee that's not doing things right, replaced. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Delegate, delegate, delegate. And that's that's the key to success. Cool. So walk us through, for the person watching this and they want to get in the business, they want to be an entrepreneur, what are, what are the phases? Like you've obviously, you've come in and you've started, launched, hired, you set up multiple companies. How does somebody else model that if they were to? There is no blueprint. So I, I cannot teach people how to start a business uh, the way I did it. It's not a location on Google Map where I drop it to you and you find your way to how to start a business. Um, that's why, like, if anybody teaches you online how to start a business, don't believe everything they say. Because even if you ask them, how did you make it? They don't know. They just started and it happened and they worked for it and it happened. So I feel like everyone's journey will be understood and the direction will be understood and the way will be understood once you start. All all it takes is to start. And depending on your business type, depending on your mindset, depending on your learning capabilities, you will pick it up easily. A business has legs, you know, Mm -hmm. and once, no, let me put it this way. A business needs legs. So once you give the business the legs to walk, it walks on its own. And then you just overshadow and watch and and like direct it. So my advice is just start and you will learn everything on your own because my learning, my mistakes, my failures, my personality, how I handle things is not similar to yours. So I cannot tell you step one, step two, step three. So it doesn't work that way. It's just about starting and taking that risk. What's been the biggest mistake you've made along the way that's taught you the biggest lesson? In business, my biggest mistake was trusting the wrong people and feeling like, for example, I I had a business with a best friend of mine, a best friend of 10 years. And when we started the business, I was like, you know, good people think everyone's good. So I was like, we don't need contracts. I trust you. 
This is so I, me. Yeah, I trust you. No, screw the contracts. I believe you, babe. We're friends. Because I, I would never do something bad. I would never steal. So I think everyone's like me. And then we went in with our contracts. And 10 years later, she took all the money. Left me with nothing. Yeah. So, and then I learned that boundaries doesn't mean you don't love the person. Boundaries means that I can love you and love myself at the same time. And boundaries are beautiful and healthy. And if somebody doesn't accept your boundaries, um, they're not meant for you. They're bothered because they can't get whatever they want from you easily now. And people who value you and love you, once they know you have boundaries, they respect you more. So now when I want to do business and I say, okay, um, first an NDA, then we sign this and we sign that. And I feel like that thing that I never did before because I was scared. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't mm. want to you know, make them feel like I don't trust them. That thing made people respect me more than me being nice and naive and you know thinking everyone's like me. So I think that's the biggest lesson is to understand that when you do business, um, you hang your friendship coat outside the door and you walk in with like a different person mm. and business is business, you know? That, that's what, that was my biggest lesson, boundaries. It's, it's so funny because, yeah, you and I are both same as that. Because <clears throat> I'll look at that and be like, well, I would never do this. Yeah. Like my, my word's stronger than any contract. Yeah. Um, and I've also learned the hard way as well. Um, how have you sort of, because that's what I'm learning right now through business. Yeah. Everything I do is personal development and love and people and all these types of things. And the challenge I'm seeing now with managing people, I'm like, oh, but I just want to love everybody. I see people's potential. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, but you could be so good. But the data shows you suck right now. And then, oh, I don't want to fire somebody. Did you, how did you sort of navigate that? Like who, who you are in a day-to-day life Got and bringing it. that into your CEO mode? Because I'm human and because I have been in places before where I wanted someone to believe in me and I had the potential, but I just needed guidance. That's why I give people chances. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries when you give an employee a chance to prove themselves or learn or teach them. That's you being a leader because a manager would fire them, but a leader would lead, would, would show, would teach. And I am a leader in these things. So I don't let go of anybody unless I know 100% that there is nothing left there with that person. And then I walk away. Mm. Or they walk away and that's, and that's, yeah, in business, yeah. Yeah. A quote I saw of yours, women don't need to be empowered, they need to be inspired. What do you mean by this? I mean that women are not weak. We don't need empowerment. I've never, have you ever heard men saying I empower us? No. No. So I don't want to use a word that men are not able to use. I need the unisex word. I don't need the word just made for women to brainwash them to think that they're powerless because words become your reality. And if I'm saying empower me, which means I don't have the power, give it to me. It makes me feel like I'm powerless. So I feel like women are strong. They're resilient. They just don't know that they can because of society, because it's a man's world, because they've been suppressed for so long. So they don't know they can, and they just need to know that they can. And if you show them they can, they'll do it. Otherwise empowerment. Nope. I don't accept it. I don't like it. And People can hate me for saying it. People can like it, whatever it is. But that's where I stand. Um, words are, it's called spelling for a reason because whatever you say, you manifest. Whatever you say, you become. So I don't use that word. Mm. What, what's your view on male and female dynamics and roles in relationships and business and life? I feel like men and women complete each other. They don't compete with each other. 
that's it. Whether they're working together, whether they're in a relationship, whether it's a friendship. Me as a woman, I know that there are things I can do and a man can't do. And a man should know that there are things a woman can do that he can't do. Which means that if I'm lacking in this department and a female can do that in that department, we are a piece of a puzzle. But sadly, um, a lot of couples and people in business, when they are when there is gender introduced and female and male, immediately they're on competition mode because they're on survival mode. They want to survive because a woman thinks that the man will not give her a chance and the man thinks a woman is not good enough and he's better than her. So they're always like on that survival mode where they're trying to compete. But that's not the nature of how women and men are. Mm. Yeah. How have you found it play out in your relationships currently? Like, Because you're an absolute boss. Have you found it to be intimidating in dating? Or- yes. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying all men are intimidated by strong women and all men have insecurities and they cannot handle strong women. But the men I was with were all like that. Intimidated. They, it's funny because when they meet you, they say that's what they love about you. But after you start a relationship, it's the most thing they hate about you because it makes them feel less of an alpha man. Mm. It makes them feel like they are not the main um, provider for the relationship. They're not the protector of the relationship. But I always say, if a man doesn't put his pants on and he's sitting down wearing the skirt, I'd have to put my pants on. You know, like if no one's showing up, I am forced to be in my masculine yeah. energy because I have to show up. Yeah. If he's not paying the bills, if he's not providing, if he's not protecting, then guess what? I cannot be in my feminine energy. I have to switch to my masculine energy because he's not doing the job. He's sitting there with his skirt on. So I had that. And that's why for the longest time I was in my masculine energy and I was was suppressing my feminine energy. But then with healing, I've learned how to go back into my feminine and to make peace with my masculine. And, you know, it's sad because a lot of men say, oh, a lot of women are too masculine nowadays. But the truth is, ask her which chapter in her life a man made her that way, you know, because men made women that way. And um, they used to say um, women always look for sugar daddies. But the truth is, in today's world, a lot of men are looking for sugar mamas. So it's like they're all looking for an easy ticket just to, to you know, ride on life. It's kind of gone backwards a little bit. I had um, Dr. John Gray. He wrote Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus on the yeah. podcast. And he he went off, actually, because his whole he made his whole career yeah. talking about uh, male and female dynamics. And, and the whole world's changed now. And he, he doesn't get invited to talk anymore because of his old views. He's like yeah. old school. And what he's saying is like decision-making increases testosterone. And and I forget the things he was saying was about, but but mainly like both people are playing the parts right now. Like men are becoming more feminine. Yes. And women are. And the reason women are becoming more masculine is because they don't feel safe that this motherfucker is 30 yeah. years old doesn't even have a job yet. He's yeah. not secure. He's do- he doesn't doesn't know what he's doing. So, th- so the real issue is, I truly believe as well that a lot of men need to figure their shit out because if the men can actually step up and be like, "I'm confident and I'm secure and I know what I'm yeah. here to do," the woman can go, "Oh, I feel so safe to actually surrender." Yeah, and I can still crush it in my own rights because that's what I'm good at and I love. Yeah, and at the same time, I can feel safe to do that. Hundred percent. If a woman, it's 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 basic. If a woman does not feel safe, if a woman has to take decisions, if a woman has to manage the life and has to plan for the future, if a woman has to provide, if a woman has to think of all these things, 
she's better off on her own because she, she can be married to herself. That's all I can care for. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a lot of men are not doing what they have to do. Yeah, you said it. You said he's 30 years old. He doesn't have his life figured out, you know, and she has her life figured out and she has everything going on for her. And which is, which is like, the thing is, I always say when I'm, when I'm looking for a man, I'm not looking for an uber super millionaire, you know, to make my life easy. No, I love working. I love creating. I love, I love innovating. So I don't want to take that away from me. I, but I need someone who's as successful as me, mm-hmm. or if not ambitious. Ambitious. Because it, it's values again, right? Yeah. It's, they're not going to value actually growth and success or it, exactly, it makes sense. Exactly. He, otherwise, he's going to sit down there and I'm going to be doing everything and he's going to be chilling and he's going to be the wife in the relationship. And and I don't want that. You know, yeah. I've been with that so many times and I'm, I'm honestly, after healing, not even attracted to that. Yeah. If you, I can teach you anything, but I cannot teach you ambition. I cannot teach you um, how to fight for what you want. I cannot teach you to want to provide and be a man. I cannot teach you these things, Mm. you know? And, And sadly, a lot of men are losing their masculinity. But crazy enough, like they think a man is, okay, as long as he's big, he's got his buddy going on, he's got his his looks and everything. They think that's what a man is, but I can get that done in Thailand for like 5,000 dirhams, you know, to look exactly <laughs> like you, you know, it's, that's not what a man is. Yeah. A man is a man who um, takes care, provides, uh, respects, uh, acknowledges, listens, um, is there, is present. It may, gives you safety and safety doesn't mean that if a dude wants to beat me up, you're going to go beat him up. That's not safety, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, sure, great, if you can do that. But safety as in like emotional safety, um, communication safety, being my, the, uh, giving me a safe space to be myself. And when that's not given to a woman, she, she changes. And then the man gets upset. Why are you changing? Why are you being cold? Well, that's because you're not being man enough. You're not doing what you have to do. You know, it's... Yeah, I, mean, I a, can go on and on and on. Reciproc- about this it's a reciprocal thing, yeah. and it's kind of like a what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because yes. the, the number one priority for a female, the feminine energy, is safety. Yes. Um, number one for a man is freedom. Yes. And when a woman's not feeling safe, they'll be more closed. Hold on, hold what, on, hold on. What do you mean freedom? So okay. personal freedom. That's the not high, true. Based on what? It's 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 one of the highest values of the masculine masculine energy. Want to be free. Want to not not in a relationship freedom it's i i want my freedom my, what does that my, mean my personal freedom my for example yeah. i've been traveling for the last two weeks yeah right without my partner yeah. and i was having a conversation with my friend at dinner last night who's a female yeah and i told my partner i'm going to dinner with alex and she asked me at dinner she's like how is simona about you traveling like without her and i'm like she's actually fine like she's awesome. And she's like, that's really great. I said, it is really great. And it's one of the reasons why I love her so much and why I feel so great in our relationship and why she feels so safe. Because while I'm doing my things, yeah. I'm over here, I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to do, th- I'm speaking at events. I'm doing things. I'm like, I'm not attacked. My ambition, my goals, my missions, not not feeling like she's- So if you take Simona with you, you feel attacked? Oh, I'd, no, I'd love to take her. Oh, she's she working. Couldn't. She's okay, got home. it. Yeah, got yeah. It. So it wasn't like a you stay so, home. So, so, so you're not telling me you value freedom. You're telling me like because that's two different conversations. Because there are men who say I want to not be with my significant other when I do these things. I want my freedom. So I, I don't. Think, I can't speak for them. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I think you could totally unpack it based off because it was not a. I'm not like no. You stay home. I'm going here. 
I'd love to bring her here. So, so you you like the trust? Yeah, it's, the the, the trust that I can do my thing. Yes, with, with, I I have I have space. I don't have my mum messaging me going, message me when you get home or like. There's been days where she's been really busy over that side of the world, and we didn't we, we haven't Facetimed in yeah. days, and we're like, oh, let's let's quickly let's Facetime, you know, and we're both okay with that. And that's one of the things in this relationship that I feel and she allow, and because I have that that she plays into that, she f- I make her feel extremely safe. So that's your need. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. your personalized, tailored need that mm-hmm. you need as, as a man. Yeah. But I don't feel like, um, because if we were going to talk about freedom, women are wild spirits. They're wilder than men. And if you want to talk about who values freedom more, I'll say a woman wants her freedom more than a man. Interesting. So, but I don't think women want that because- mm. Well, they would both, right? Because it's a masculine energy. Yeah. It, it, so the masculine and the female would still be like, I still want to have my freedom. I don't want this guy. Yeah, yeah but is, is it really freedom or is it, uh, is it trust? Because I can, like, I can see couples who let each other travel and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, they are texting and asking for proof all the time. So you still yeah, have the freedom the, to do whatever you want, but there's no trust. Yeah. So I think I think the word trust is more valuable than freedom because a partner who understands you and respects you and trusts you will let you do whatever you need yeah. to do without bothering you. But that's not freedom because you're a free person. Even in a relationship, you are free. You don't you don't belong to anybody. You're not owned by anybody. Yeah. So, well, I think it all depends on the definition of freedom. But do you allow your partner to do the same thing? Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. that's important because some men say, no, it's a man's thing. No, and it's Women actually- Women can't do it. it no, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, um, <clears throat> and because we both dance, we dance like salsa dancing. So yeah. it's like, like salsa and bachata, so it's sexy as. Yeah. And it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because before we started dancing, I used to see other, you know, women in relationships go and dance. And I'm like, oh my God, I, you know, that, I, I don't know how I'd like that, you yeah. know, my partner. And then now, when I, whenever I go travel, I, I love to go and find a social dance because I can dance and it's a good way for me just to do something while I'm traveling alone. I'm yeah. like, I want to go do something and I can dance. I can just go to a club and I don't even have to drink and I can just go have a fun time yeah. better than just sit in my hotel room. And she has excitement knowing that I had a good night and it's the other way as well. She doesn't dance anymore, but there has been times where I haven't been there and she's like, I'm going to dance tonight. I'm like, go and have an amazing night. And it's just funny because I'm like, you go dance with 50 guys tonight. And I'm just like, I know how much fun you have because the trust is there. Yeah. So it definitely isn't a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a double thing. And no, but you trust her. Do you trust the men around yeah. her? I don't think I Well, If I was to say, I don't trust them, I'd be judging. Cause I don't know who they are. Yeah. And I can't control who is going to be there, but I can, I can't even control the level of trust in our relationship, but you I can, can do my- control yourself. I can, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I guess it's in my world. My perception of is I'm not out there doing that. So it doesn't even come into my awareness to think I'm, when I go dancing, I'm not out there to try pick up women. So, so do you allow it because you want to do it as well? And you don't want her to say no, if you don't no, allow her, even if or I, it's just like pure, yeah. like respect and pure it's respect, trust. It's respect and trust. It's yeah. probably the biggest thing. If I had yeah. a reason to not trust her, Surely that'd probably be more, I'd be like, oh, I didn't know about this. Like, it's just, but that's just how I do my life. I, I, I find it easy to trust people than to not trust them. It's yeah. more peaceful for me. It is peaceful. You know, and, I, and I've sort of just come to that agreement a while ago as well. I'd rather live a life 
where some It's like people, you're innocent until proven guilty. I would rather yeah. live that yeah. than go, well, I don't trust you until you prove. I don't know. It's just more tension in my body yeah. to go, you have to prove it. Like, why should she have to prove it? Um, but also that's, that's why I'm in a relationship with her because I like her morals, I like her values, I like who she is and all, and all these things, right? Yeah. So I think that that's one of the pillars that's made the relationship so good where she can go do, do what she wants. Like she even screwed me the other night. I was funny. She's like, I'm going on a date this week. And I'm like, fun. Have a, have a great date. Knowing she's not going on a date with a guy, but I'm just like, it's just funny. You know, I'm yeah. like, whatever oh, so you're on? joking around with each other. Like We're joking that. around, Got but it's it. also, but it's fine to notice there is no, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I know whatever you're doing. Because a, you know her too well. I know her too, I trust her and I know yeah. whatever you're going to do, you're probably going to have fun. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear about the fun you have. Yeah. Actually, this comes from a man that is uh, fully self-sufficient, a man that knows he's showing up for his woman as the best version because he knows I am doing whatever I can to be the best version of me for for my woman. Mm-hmm. Therefore, nobody can take her from me. But but when there's a man that has not done the work, that has a lot of issues internally, not dealing with them, and he knows he's not doing his best, but he's choosing not to do his best, mm-hmm. and he's not doing anything about it, is always going to be fearful that someone else who's better than him will come and take her. That's yeah. so true as well, yeah. actually. If I was to yeah say that and have the risk of selling like a dick right now, it would also be to be like, I know for a fact the amount of other 30-year-olds out there on my level is slim. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it definitely is that as well. Just being like, I I know my wife. I know I know yeah. the shit I'm doing. Yeah. And so does she. Yeah. So that's probably what also because she knows like I haven't spoken an event like fifteen hundred people on the other side of the world. Like put a man in that position, it's a false sense of uh, self, right? Yeah. It it you know in in that sort of world it it'd be if I wanted to play the card of you know, want to pick up girls or whatever, it would be easier than it would be for someone who doesn't have those things going for him. Yeah. But it's also the other way around for her. I honestly think she's the most incredible woman in the world. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to give up anything for this. Yeah, exactly. And then she also knows that. She's like, well, shit, if he did something stupid, then what an idiot. And yeah. so it's it's kind of that. So it's back to everything. I mean, I mean all- this is a sign of a healthy relationship and not yeah. only healthy relationship between both of you, but a healthy relationship with yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Which, get it. What I'm curious to know is one thing you talk about a lot and seen a lot of interviews is narcissism. And yeah. we've mentioned it a little bit. Um, why is that? Why do you talk about narcissists? I mean, this is like a lot of people always like tell me, okay, you're an entrepreneur, you're like a public speaker. Why do you always post about narcissism? It's because I lived it and it's so dangerous that it can actually make you reach a point where you want to end your own life. Mm. And I don't want people to go through it. That's why I'm pushing and educating people about narcissism because it's not just being with a bad person. It's literally being with the devil, like having a relationship with the devil, being in bed with the devil. That's what narcissism is. And I'm trying my best to tell people, please educate yourself, please educate yourself because it's part of my purpose. I feel like my purpose is uh, to spread light and to spread knowledge and to serve people. And when I speak about narcissism, it's not that I'm um, projecting or talking about my internal battles. No, I am putting it out there to educate because I don't want anyone to go through it. It's dangerous. It's, um, it's, it's, I swear to God, like it's an experience that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemies. Mm. Like this is how bad narcissism relationship is. I mean, you can have a narcissistic relationship at work, but you can escape from that. But when it's a relationship with somebody, that's so hard to escape. Like you can 
like when you leave, it's called narcissistic survival because yeah. you survived something that is like literally fatal. And I, I was, I reached a point where I was literally going to take my own life at a certain point. I was like, I had enough. Because you didn't know how to get out of the situation. Not only that, it's the ma manipulation, it's gaslighting. They make you question your own reality. They make you think you're delusional. The way they mess up your hormones in your body. It's like, and everything is intentional and planned. And when, you know, I've opened the eyes of a lot of women about to narcissism. And, you know, when a woman or a man finds out that, oh, when he does that, there is a psychological term for it, like in psychology. Mm. When he says that, he's doing something like that. When the cycle happens, it's actually a, a study. Then they start to realize that, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I need to escape this. But, you know, it's not that easy to escape a narcissism, narcissistic relationship. Really not easy. But if you do, I swear to God, you dodged a bullet. That's why I want to spread awareness about it. And I'm mm. very like on a mission when it comes to narcissism. Like I'm going to get a tattoo soon that says no narcs, you know, no narcs. And, like this is how much I hate narcissistic people. They can all go to a planet, marry each other, reproduce on that <laughs> planet. They don't deserve, they're not humans. That's just crazy. On, on that, on, on the spiritual side of you. So there's yeah. a few things uh, I want to, your shirt, is that an alien? Yes, of And course. says, I do not believe. The alien says, I don't believe in humans. Ah. <laughs> because, every, because everyone's denying aliens exist and they're denying we exist, you know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that it's naive. It's um, unrealistic. It's egoistic. It is crazy to think that all of this was created just for us. Yeah, like it's, it's insane, you know, but I also don't believe that aliens are evil and they want to kill us and blow us and burn us they because they could have done it ages ago when we had no technology. Why would they come nowadays where yeah. we have all these, all this technology going on? What and they, they want to play a fair everybody. game? That's what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> they want to fight back. No, it's, yeah. it's all bullshit. Yeah. What, what kind of um, like you're pretty spiritual, right? You like you're, you're really um, open in that sense. And you live here in Dubai, and you're you're, you're born here. Um, what I'm just curious, what kind of spiritual beliefs do you have that people may look at you and hear and and disagree with you on? So, okay, so spirituality isn't that a religion doesn't exist, or it's not its own religion. Spirituality is within everyone's religion. So, I'm Muslim. I'm a spiritual person. Um, the only difference between spirituality and non-spirituality is you look at life, you look at your spirit and you look at God in a different way. Um, instead of just like fearing God and thinking like he is there to punish and do all these things, uh, you need to get into a relationship where you understand that God is, God is love, God is harmony, and he's kind, he's loving. It's about building a friendship with God, talking to him all the time. And once you love something and respect it, you will not do anything wrong. But once you fear it, when the fear hides or goes away or sheds away every now and then, you might do something wrong. Mm. So it's about switching the relationship you have with God to a more loving friendship one. And also to understand that we are divine beings we are spirits with a human experience, which means that even like in every religion, I'm pretty sure this is written. In Islam, it's written, God said, I put a piece of me in all of these people, like in, in humans, like a piece of him in us. So we are divine power, that God's in us all. And to understand that and to think like that and to focus on your spirit and to focus on, you know, like instead of being distracted by the materialistic things in this world and what my body needs, it's looking 
insight and seeing what my soul needs mm. and understanding that not everything you see is real, not everything you hear is real, not everything you know is real. And you need to go and discover what's real, you know? And I would say, I would say this, and I, I love saying this, maturity is not learning new things, it's unlearning everything and finding out the truth, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I feel this is what spirituality is about. It's about oneness. It's about understanding that this table, you, me, that lizard on the floor, we're all one. We're all we're all from the same source. We're all one, you know, and humans are powerful. And uh, the higher self and the frequency of the universe is similar to a frequency on a radio, just like the radio picks up, you know, the music so you can hear it. It's a frequency. The frequency when it comes to the universe is a different frequency. And us as humans, we've been programmed and conditioned that we cannot tune into that frequency. Mm. So spirituality is about going there to that place where everything is aligned, where you're in tune with yourself, where you're in touch with your higher self, where you know what your purpose is. But that's that's the frequency not everybody can get on. But it takes yeah. practice and understanding. But all humans can do it. It's like it's like when you watch somebody driving a car when you're young, you go like, oh, that's hard. When you grow up and you don't know how to do it, you're like, oh, that's easy. Spirituality is the same thing. Everyone is born with this power, but everybody lost their power because yeah. they've been marinated in culture and things and all system. that. System, yeah, yeah, sadly. I feel like we could talk for a really long time. I know. I'm enjoying this. And we've got another special guest in the room who would like to come and join us. Hey, come here, you baby. Come, sit down, come, sit come next here. to mommy. <laughs> I love you. Okay. <laughs> come and take a seat. Come here, sit with mommy. So now this is the the young the youngest ever guest we've had on the show. You know that? Yes. So tell everybody, what's your name? Where are you from? My name is Maxim, and I'm from here. You're Where from is here? here? Dubai. 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 Say it in Arabic. Dubai. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a bunch of things I'd like to ask you, but what I'm curious to know is one thing we we're talking about outside. Okay, it was your school. So you're eight years old now. Yeah. And you're starting, you're starting your, you're studying comedy, which we can get to in a second. Mm. But with your school, you're not going to a normal school, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not. Tell us a little bit about your school and use the microphone in case you think. My school, uh, we learn how to knit, farm. What's um, the difference between your school and, and regular schools? There's a spiritual school. The spiritual school. The, the system Way focuses fun. on the soul a Way lot. Way more fun. Yeah. Way more fun. So they teach them, um, and I love the transition I made because I don't really fully trust the education system Yeah. in terms that it doesn't teach people how to connect with their soul, how to learn how to grow, self-reflect, taxes, how to live your dreams. So I took him there because it teaches you how to ground yourself with Mother Earth, how to knit, how to farm, the importance of your spirit and creativity and all that. So they don't have books. They don't write much. Everything is taught to them in like storytelling form. And he loves it. Mm. And every Friday we get food and make a buffet. <laughs> Sounds he amazing. loves buffet. <laughs> and yeah. so tell me a little bit about what, and I don't know if people have asked you this before, um, but your plans, the way you see your life unfolding, mm. do you have a big dream? Do you have something you want to create or do or become? or A YouTuber. A YouTuber? Yeah. Have you yeah. started yet? No, I haven't started yet. We film a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, but you still said I can do it when I'm 12. Yeah, when you're, no, 14. You said 12. Okay, 12. <laughs> yeah. You're going to start YouTubing at 12? 
Yeah, because yeah. the internet, I feel like, is a, mm. a sword with two edges. It's good, but it's bad. So, it's, it, like, as a child, I feel like it's not a safe space yet for him. Yeah. So everything is monitored by by me. Yeah. And I feel like good. he shouldn't be on social media at that age because I want to teach him how to strengthen his inner core before he gets exposed to this, like, fakeness and all these yeah. things online. And the last thing I need is for him to say, like, oh, mom, I want this car or I want this. I want to go to school to show off. And I don't need that. What the heck? Exactly. You're making me sound like a monster. No, I'm not saying you are like that. <laughs> Back I'm to saying, everything we're saying. I, They're going to make it me. No, whatever exactly. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so why don't you tell him what do you think happiness is, for example? Mm. Okay, listen, I've been doing this for a couple of years, okay? So I don't know everything about it. It's okay. Say whatever you know about it. Happiness is when you're nice to people and you have a fun time and every time something happens to you, you shouldn't uh, react, just ignore. Ignore, react or respond? Right. You you mean like don't focus on the problem, focus yeah. on the solution. Yes. Yeah, because that's what I teach him. I teach yeah. him when something happens, don't react. Take your time to calm down. When, when you see people out there in the world and, and they're going through problems or they're angry or they're, you know, they're not very happy. If you could tell them one thing, a perspective shift for them, what would you tell them? What's your advice for people who are angry and react? Why are you angry? Why are they angry though? That's so true because I, I always teach him that when people are angry and they're reacting, it's a reflection of what's inside yeah. of them. So that's why he's saying, why are you angry though? You know, what's really mm. the main reason? Mm. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about your, have you, have you got a joke for us? Because I know you've been, you've been doing some yes, comedy yes. and you want to start there. Have you got one fresh on your mind? Don't give him a dad joke. Give him a funny joke. Okay. Okay. What did the chicken Come say? Close to them. What did the chicken say? Yeah. I don't know. To who? No. What did the rooster say? What do I don't I don't know what do they say? Cock a doodle do. <laughs> we'll work on it. It's okay. Every, if, there, hey, if there's one thing I, I want you to know, I'll tell you what's funny. I don't <laughs> laugh at his jokes sometimes. I laugh at his reaction, his eyes. <laughs> but it, um, every master was once a disaster. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's good to just because you know what? There's so many people watching this. Here's the thing. There's so many people watching this right now that are going. I wish I had the courage to even get on camera, period. Then they followed up by saying, I wish I had the courage to actually go after what it is I want. So if you were to give these people any bit of advice, because you're kind of, you're just, you're doing your life. I heard you wore pajamas to school the other day because you're like, that's me. You're just doing your life your way. What, what advice would you give to people out there? For advice for people who don't, are not living their dreams and not doing what they want. Like a permission slip for them to just go after it. You should just do your own permission and you should do what you want. Who, who wanted to stop you and who will stop you? Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So this has been amazing. Sarah, where, where can everybody find you on social media? Check out everything you're doing. I am on every social media platform you can think of, <laughs> like threads, everything, under the name Sara Al-Madani. So it's Sara underscore Al-Madani underscore. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Definitely this get a, fun. we'll definitely have a round two, I think. Um, but this is how I like to wrap up all these episodes. So I have a final question for you. 
but I can't ask it to him, so I have to reframe it for you, so I'm going to give it to you first. Are you ready? Okay. If I was to put you on a rocket ship and send you off to another planet, so you can never return here, okay. what would be your last 20-second speech you'd give to the world? One day, you guys will be like me if you even want to be like me. What does that mean? Like one day they will get to leave? No, one day they can be an astronaut. Ah. If that's what they want to do. <laughs> that's what they want to do. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Sarah, to wrap this up. So what final, did I say? Fun, fun, no, I've got a different question for you. Okay. <clears throat> so if you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give her 30 seconds of advice. None, zero. If I change anything, I would erase me. I would not be me now. So I have no advice. And if I could talk to her, I'd say, girl, do whatever you're doing. You're going to go through a lot of pain, but it's so worth it. 100% you're, girl talk. <laughs> you're, like, don't worry about it because you're building yourself. Everything you're going to go through is going to mold you. And to be honest, if somebody had a magic wand right now and told me, hey, we would erase everything bad that happened in your life. But that means I won't have my son. Mm. So I don't I won't have you. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to erase anything. I'm not going to tell her anything. I want her to be clueless. I want her to figure out herself. I want her. Even the bad things that happened to me made me today. Yeah, exactly. It made it makes us who we are. So I have nothing to tell I wouldn't her. be here today if I had bad things. I wouldn't be here. Like, you wouldn't see me. <laughs> I would just be at home. I love you. Eating chips, down, okay. watching TV, okay. and being annoying, and going to a normal school. But since I had pain in my life... <laughs> so basically what he's saying is, because he's been a bad boy sometimes, and he went through pains in his life, at eight, um, <laughs> it changed him and it made him a better person. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things that made me. But it's great having that perspective already for now because it's yeah. going to serve you for later. Yeah, and I'm sorry about all life. the. What was the pain you went through? The chocolate was out of stock. What the candy was. Out of stock. <laughs> Mom doesn't let me build a YouTube yet. <laughs> YouTube yet? Yeah. Mom doesn't let me build YouTube. I love yet. you. One hundred percent. I love you. I love it. No, but basically, don't change anything because one direction different in your route, you wouldn't be who you are today. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.